This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Welcome to the BPD Bunch. We have a panel of people who are in functional recovery from borderline personality disorder. And each week, a few of us get together to discuss the ups and downs of our BPD journeys to give you hope and direction for your own. I'm your host, Zanny, and today I am here with Katya, Darren, Raf, and Jay. Where in the world is everyone coming from? We're from Australia in Melbourne. And it's summer now and it's warm and everyone's in a good mood for the first time in the year. It's great. Conversely, I'm coming from Calgary in Canada and it's minus 10. So. <laughs> well, it's cold. Yeah. West Midlands, United Kingdom, also on its way to being very cold here. It was my first park run this morning that I had to do in sub-zero temperatures. But on the flip side, the, the shower that I had afterwards was really nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, London, England. And then I'm coming from Albuquerque in the United States. Albuquerque. For our last episode of the third season, we are going to be talking about one of the hottest topics in the BPD community, which is dating. Of course, dating is a challenge for anyone, whether you have BPD or not, but borderline personality disorder does tend to be created and maintained through relationships, and so dating can be a particular minefield for us. And today we are going to talk all about it. So to start us off, what are some of your BPD dating stories? Yeah, dating with BPD, it's it's interesting. The biggest struggle for me anyways was noticing that I would get in these relationships and having that little voice in the back of my head saying, hey, this doesn't feel right. But like if someone was giving the sense that I was giving me the sense that they were abandoning me. I would basically fall for them more as a way of basically just trying to get them to love me and like prove to myself that I could be loved. There's a part of you that can kind of tell, hey, what you're feeling or what I'm feeling isn't, doesn't feel like it's grounded in reality. And there's just been times where I've been unable to reconcile reality with the way I'm feeling. So I would just go forward with it and push forward with it because as long as I would eventually get that love and affection from the other person, I would feel okay. And it's hard because yeah, you end up basically creating a new reality just to justify the feelings that you have. And you can get in some really, really 
hard situations that you look back at and you're like, how did I allow that to happen? And it's, it's this wild, like this person was not being good to me remotely and getting out of that, or at least noticing the things that would trigger me to put myself in that mindset was one of the best things ever because it allowed me to then start growing relationships in a much like slower, more paceful way where I'd actually see the signs for what they were and then act on them accordingly. I can super relate to that. Mm. I remember having a conversation with my dad once about someone I was dating. And um, I think he said something like, why are you continuing this relationship? It's <laughs> like every time you talk to me about it, it's always horrible. Mm. And I was like, there are good times. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, one out of Probably. six. <laughs> You know, it's like... <laughs> yeah, like, and the wildest thing is, this was all while I would be the person that, like, a lot of my friends who like, were largely, like, femme-presenting or women would come to me for advice. I'd go to them, no, like, why are you putting up with this? Do not do not put up with this. This is not okay. But then I would get up in that same situation and all that logic and all that knowledge and everything at the window. I'm in love with this person and I will make them love me back. So I think for most of my like adult life, I haven't really dated. It's really just gone from zero to a hundred. However, like in more recent times, uh, <laughs> I have <laughs> started dating and we want to yeet the hell out of this situation immediately. <laughs> um, and I think something that I've learned is that a lot of my like patterns and dating are really related to like my self-esteem and how I feel about myself. Like I will accept so little from somebody and put that on a pedestal mm. and be like, okay, well, you know, I'm so used to getting this, that this, <laughs> it's like a whole new world. Like take me on that magic carpet, please. <laughs> you know? Um, I had been dating somebody like recently and I was so willing to sort of overlook very blatant signs of just disrespect. Like, and I think it's important to, you know, say that these things are the foundations any in any relationship, right? You don't have those, you don't have anything. So if, if you're being constantly disrespected, it's going to be very hard for you to make that work with somebody, right? And in fact, maybe why would you even want to? But something that, you know, I realized in this process of, of dating this person is it really opened my eyes to how like stigma has affected me personally and my own mental processes. Because this person would sort of, you know, if I wanted to talk to him about something, whatever it was, it was intense. Just because it's me, the topics were, were not intense, but I was so... I'm so used to that line being used with people like us that it it makes me cave. I'm like, crap, you know, like I'm going to push this person away and it triggers me so hard. And then I go really hard to get them to stay close. I will neglect everything that I want to talk to that person about just because I don't want to overwhelm them. But I wasn't being intense. I was, you know, communicating a need and that was being ignored. If it's intense for that person, that's a that's a them problem. One thing that has sprung to mind is recycling exes. 
So I, <laughs> because I really struggle with the social aspect of things as well because of being schizotypal, like I do find dating really challenging. Like when I met my husband for the first time, he actually said I was really aloof and a bit of an ice queen because of the way that I am when I meet people for the first time, which I understand can be completely off-putting for people and probably not the best start to, you know, first impressions and dating and progressing a relationship. So but I found that when a relationship would end, I would be drawn back to ex-partners because they were the people that I felt safe with that I knew would accept me. And even though it had ended, I was like, well, I'm going to go back to this person because they know me, they understand what I'm like. and you know experience should have taught me that if it didn't work the first time it won't work the second the third the fourth or the fifth but the sixth (laughs) yeah exactly yeah no i think my biggest problem at the moment is learning to shut the fuck up um not be uh honest in within the first hour of that conversation not because things are going well thinking oh i'll just drop this bomb into the conversation (laughs) and watch how it explodes and tears everyone to pieces and see what comes out of it um and that's frankly where I'm at at this moment in time I'm sort of like I'm so tired of dating that I'm just <clears throat> I'm at the point where I'm just thinking now well if they can su- if they can stand the blast of this bombshell then uh yeah we'll get a second date out of it and see where it goes from there <laughs> but it's not always the best technique You mean like an overshare? Oh yeah <laughs> the tra- like the trauma, trauma, the trauma overshare like oh like, so by the way this horrible thing happened to me yeah, what do you yeah. think about that yeah. and if that's not enough for you then this happened then this happened mm-hmm. so by the end of the by, by the end of that first day they never want to see me again and I think partly I'm trying to self-sabotage at the moment I think that's part of the problem um you know I'm sort of at that uh, ground and so I've I go through stages of dropping in and out of dating it can be so soul-destroying, especially for people such as us, that uh, I think you need to pick and choose the moments you do it. Do you know what's interesting, Daz? If you did that, if we were on a date, you said, like, did that with me, I'd be like, I think I'd love this person. I'm going to fix them. I'm going to, like, this is going to be great. This is my new project for the next six months. And then you'd break my heart. Oh. I'll try <laughs> I will say I used to overshare pre- pre- uh, a sort of a preemptive uh, way of protecting myself. I think I think yeah. it's also functioned in a self-sabotage way, but some of it is like, mm. I don't want you to find out about this later and then hurt me, like have a negative reaction once I'm already attached to you. So I'm going to give you all this stuff up front, and mm. then if you can still handle it, then 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 maybe we can do something. Because we're vicious overthinkers, we're already sort of... we've. We've had every single communication conversation up to date three before we've even met them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, if it doesn't exactly go to that plan, it really throws you off kilter. Um, but equally, if they then have their own issue, you have to be in the right frame of mind to want to listen to them. And then that's, <laughs> well, I guess that's a standard day problem. But, you know, sort of, I, I do, I've yet to meet someone with a, with a similar condition. That would be very interesting on a date if they drop that into conversation as well. It would sort of, I'm not sure where that would land. (laughs) So what are some of the specific traits of BPD that you have found challenging to manage or that have really come out the most in relationships? I feel like what keeps coming up for me, like as I'm listening and as we're talking and stuff is nuance, right? Like all of these people are complicated. Things are complicated. And they're 
but we're always trying to generalize because we if makes us feel more comfortable everyone society at large more comfortable if there's a set of standards and rules that we can all get our heads around in some way even if we can't follow them all the time right and uh but it's not so easy i think some of this sort of comes from the unstable relationships maybe a little bit of the impulsivity and strong emotions related to bpd but i have this very a romantic, overly romanticized view of dating people. And I often sort of had this thought of like, love can overcome anything. And I loved the idea of overcoming challenges. And for some reason, I think that led me to gravitate towards people who also had challenges. <laughs> and the whole idea in in my weird mind was we will just love each other into being better people it's interesting because i i wanted to be confident i wanted to be somebody strong and passionate and beautiful and so in moments i would be like this is me suck it you know like take it or leave it but then if someone would start walking away i'd be like oh no you can't leave like i can't live without you i'm gonna bend over backwards and sacrifice everything to get you to stay. And that pattern, that dynamic of going from one extreme to the other, I think was not only horrible for me internally, because I was like, wait, who am I? But it was horrible for the other person because they're like, wait, do you want me or not? Like you, you just told me like, if I don't want to be here, that I can leave. But now that I'm leaving, you're telling me that you'll do all these things differently to get me to stay. What the heck does that mean? I think, yeah, to, just to add to that, I think if, you, if, you, if you're in the unfortunate position of being in a relationship with somebody who doesn't have the same reasons for being in it as yourself, let's say, then they are at an extreme advantage where they don't need to point the finger at you because you'll do it yourself. And quite often it'll be, it'll be an argument where it'll be you and them against yourself. And the manipulative uh, types can quite quickly realise that and can work that to their advantage. And it's, it's, it's getting to the realisation of that very quickly that actually, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> sort of stepping out and saying, no, 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 no. That's not how it is. Um, and that's an important step. And I think we've all, had, we've all probably had relationships that have turned that way at some point for me avoiding that was just basically taking note of like the data points in reality so i've had times where it's been the other person was able to manipulate my almost over awareness of my like symptoms and traits and i would take ownership of that to the nth degree and they would then play towards that and be like oh i think you're being this or like this is so unfair i feel like i've been deceived or lied to and i'm like I would, in, at the moment, my brain would just be like, what? No, 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 I'm not. That doesn't make sense. Like, this isn't true internally. But externally, I would be trying to overcompensate and be like, they must be right. I must be doing this wrong because I'm the one with, like, the issue. And it caused all sorts of grief. I get out of that relationship, talk to my therapist, and show them, like, some messages and all that. And they're like, yeah, this that was all very gaslighty of them. And I was like, was it? I thought so, but I didn't think that was possible because I should be taking accountable for, accountability for my actions. Where sometimes the other person, like exactly what you said, it's them and yourself against yourself. 
that can make particularly toxic relationships even harder to even notice. One of the things that I've heard a lot from people who have dated someone with BPD is that, you know, they start out as one person and then at some point there seems to be this switch and you get Mm. this like demon witch. So my question is, what do you think about that assessment? Um, In my personal experience, where this has come into play for me is usually being like, we'll encounter a natural problem in the relationship or something has causes a a situation and then in the past I probably would have had a disproportionate reaction to that and then the person that I'm with can't get that out of their head anymore Mm. so now they treat me as though that is me that's the default J and I can never get past that in their mind anymore and then we often have a lot of back and forths where there's sort of an image of me do you know what I mean? That that we can't have a nuanced kind of conversation about or like let go of in any way. Um, and just to clarify, like I'm not talking when I talk about disproportionate reactions, I'm not talking about like hitting somebody or smashing things up or doing something maybe, you know, extreme intense in that sense. I mean, just maybe just having a really explosive argument and me raising my voice or saying some things that are hurtful and then that person can't, we can't move past that. And that, that seemed to have been the case um, for me in past relationships. Um, so then I guess that fits in with that, right? I, there, this image of like the bad, the witch kind of almost like it comes out and it can never disappear after that point. Hmm. Um, that switch, I feel like is a very natural change in a sense. It's more just the extremities of that change, which is the problem that can really make things bad like i remember my specialist my therapist was taking me through it when i was having a lot of issues particularly when i um had a relationship that kind of broke down and i was having issues with differentiating me my personality from the bpd um she mentioned your personality the things that you are even your like maladaptive schemas they're not necessarily bad things it's the extremes that they can get pushed to because of your BPD, that's what can make things problematic. I speak to a lot of people about dating, um, particularly like women. They come to me for advice. And I've found one of the most consistent things, consistent issues is for the first date, first two dates, the person they're interested in presents amazingly. It looks like they're listening. They're, they're doing all the right things. But there is a switching point where things change where their personality kind of seems to change. And what was nice about them before, you know, their attentiveness or their caringness just kind of disappears. I think that switch is something that, yeah, does happen with people with BPD. Also happens with most people in general. Uh, I'm just going to say the zero to sixties are, they happen to everyone. It's not just, you know, BPD guy, you know, mm. we, everyone has them. And I think it's when that first happens in any relationship, it's that shock factor of it. I think with us, it's maybe the frequency it may happen or may not. So that's why quite often I like to be communicate it myself rather than them go off and read about it themselves mm. and sort of so that they can see me that it's someone they could date rather than go off and read about me and think, oh, God, what's he up to now? What's happening here? You know, so zero to 60, I think, is inevitability, whoever it is. I think we need to sort of maybe just 
protect ourselves a little bit, thinking, oh, it's a fear factor. We shouldn't, you know, about getting into a relationship. We're going to fly off the handle. Everyone does that at some point in the relationship. Um, I remember speaking to an ex-girlfriend once uh, about the relationship she was in. And she said, do you know, we've never had an argument. And my natural reaction to that was, my God, your world's going to fall apart the first time <laughs> that does happen then. Because it's like, how could you go? And they'd been dating for like a couple of years. And I was like, yeah. how do you date for a couple of years and not argue? That's like sounded really weird to me. But I think that makes a lot more sense to me now since diagnosis. But yeah. And I think it should be noted as well. Like we do have a responsibility to manage that volume. And I think communicate that our volume may be, you know, a bit more cranked than others. And that way the other person can then decide if they're willing to put up with that volume. Well, in, in theory, we have the ability and the maturity to be able to turn around and sort of say, I'm being triggered here, stop. Mm. Like that, which other people who don't necessarily, who fly off the handle, might not do. Mm. Um, so it could work in advantage. I don't that doesn't sound the right word, but <laughs> Well we have I mean. we have ways to handle. Yeah. I think this is a really interesting conversation because I was actually having a discussion with an ex-partner and that partner actually has a diagnosis of antisocial personality disorder. And when we're talking about dysregulation and sort of appearing as someone different a little bit further into the relationship, I was in this relationship for quite a long time I knew them before I was aware of the diagnosis I knew them as a person we'd been quite close for a long time and they were also self-aware and in therapy and dealing with that and initially it was you know sort of like the honeymoon period even though we'd known each other for quite some time but then it started to get really difficult because when you have got two people with a personality disorder it gets tricky quite quickly and one of the things that I found really difficult was when he was explaining to me about his view of relationships as being transactional. So I do something for you so that you do something for me, which sounds quite clinical in a lot of ways. And I think the best way for me to explain it would be he would go out and buy me flowers, but it wouldn't be necessarily because it was him showing that he loved me. His view of it would be I'm buying flowers because I care about you and I want you in my life and it is beneficial for me to have you in my life so that was a little bit of an adjustment but also it really came down to communication and actually where I learned to communicate about relationships was in that specific relationship because there were such big differences with our symptoms and the way that we interacted with each other the, the only way that we were ever going to make this work was by talking about the dynamics of the relationship so for me, I always had to say, when you do this, it makes me feel like this and it leads to this. Because when you have somebody who doesn't have that innate sense of empathy and remorse, it really becomes quite tricky to kind of set your boundaries and explain what you want from that relationship. And although that particular relationship didn't work out for reasons aside from the fact that we both had personality disorders, it was a really big milestone for me in a lot of ways because that's how I learned to navigate relationships by explaining what I did want and what I didn't want in a relationship whereas before there wasn't really any boundaries whatsoever and I just let people walk all over me because I wanted somebody in my life I wanted that relationship and if that meant compromising my boundaries then I was willing to do that so actually for me it really kind of helped me work out what my deal breakers were when I was dating 
one thing that comes to my mind as well is that I wish that we'd all just sort of accept that dating in large part is like a process of like getting to learn who the other person is. I feel like a lot of us go to the table or at least as in the most recent experience that I had, I feel like I went to the table and this person had a few interactions with me and felt that they understood who I was, what I am. And, and it's like, no, like, let me show you who I am. Let's learn about each other. Let me communicate to you what I need and where my boundaries are. Don't make assumptions about what they are. Otherwise, it's just never going to work. And, but, and I feel like a lot of us, especially since COVID, at least as my experience, is like relationships felt a little bit harder for some reason. We all felt a little bit more disconnected. And it's meant that a lot of people, BPD or not, are running into things like head first with their whole chest and like are not really giving dating that kind of time anymore to like just let it be an experience of really learning and figuring out who each other is and whether or not that can work you know it's kind of a not an insight that I came into dating with prior to recovery it's something that's come through functional recovery I thought that like my parents have only dated each other and were together since they were 16 years old and are still married and so my view of relationships was like oh no it can be really intense and like that can be the one from the beginning you know um but that's not really maybe where we are right now in the world right yeah, so what are some of the strategies or techniques you found helpful in managing the challenges that come with dating? Check your data points in reality. If you're having a feeling or a reaction or something to something, make sure what you're reacting to is based in reality, based on like actually what is tangible and what is a recognizable and tangible data point in reality and not something that's being fueled by a background thought in your head or something that's been fueled by a negative experience in the past, which, which means, you know, if someone said, oh, you know, I'm just not that into and I don't want to date, that's what they mean. It doesn't mean that you should try to convince them that they want to date you or that they're able to be convinced. One of the most helpful things for me going into dating has been I only enter when I know what I want. <laughs> because if I don't know what I want, it gets messy. So I think actually having that very conscious conversation with yourself is, is a, something that, you know, um, I wish I had done much sooner in my like life um, and dating experiences. And I'd say the other thing is learning that even in dating, um, even though it's difficult because of fearing abandonment and wanting to be really connected to somebody that I don't have to give my entire self to somebody in the first 10 minutes. If I have to do that to get the baseline thing from that person, they shouldn't be with me, period. And my friend, I remember she gave me this really interesting like analogy, I suppose, uh, a few years ago of like, if somebody's put 10 marbles into a jar, stop giving 100 back. 5 to 10 is fine even 11 it's not a problem to go the extra mile for somebody but you're consistently doing it and they're under reciprocating to that it's a problem so being aware of that and moderating has been really important for me mm, no, I yeah 
moderating has been important for me too. Cause I think one of the things that I realized was that if I, you know, I'm the type of person who will put a lot in, but I'll be resentful if you don't yeah. give that back. And then that comes out in really problematic ways. And so taking things slowly. But I think the other thing for me is generally, especially on dates has been taking the other person's lead in reciprocal disclosure so uh, not immediately jumping to the top of the ladder in terms of all the things that I could share, but, you know, trying to follow sort of what they're talking about and also using what they were willing to disclose about themselves as kind of a gauge on whether this is somebody that I would want to have a relationship with because it, and some of this has to do with the age that you are there's a little bit of nuance and fine-tuning there depending on where you are in your life and what you want like there are some things that if somebody doesn't bring those up or isn't interested in talking about them relatively early on then I'm probably not gonna keep trying to or not going to because I'm in a marriage now but at the time it was like I'm probably not gonna keep trying to date you because I don't want to get into a relationship with someone and then find out that if I want things to go this way, I'm going to have to convince you to do this. Uh, but other other than that, like I, I wasn't about disclosing all of my worst traumas on day one. Um, and that wasn't even because I felt embarrassed about it. It was just I realized that giving people that much from the beginning in the past hadn't worked, probably because if they are following the normal levels of reciprocal disclosure, if I give them what is everything on day one, they're like, this is their baseline. How much worse does it get from here? And really it's not, you know, that is the worst, but they don't know that because they're operating under the, under the sort of like, we go up the stairs one at a time. We don't ju jump to the very, very top of the staircase. So I think that really helped in building my relationship with my now husband in a way that felt more organic and I, you know, you gotta, you gotta take what works and leave the rest, right? Everybody is going to be a little bit different in terms of what they're looking for from someone. But I think, yeah, generally sort of finding that balance between making sure you're getting the information you need and following sort of those reciprocal disclosure rules was really helpful for me. Mm. I think one of the things that helped me quite a lot was facing my fear. So there was a period of time when I was single in my 30s, when it coincided with everybody else settling down, getting married. And actually, when I was thinking about dating, there wasn't a tremendously large pool of people for me to choose from. And at that point, I was thinking, you know, like, what, what would happen if I actually don't meet somebody? And it was about getting comfortable with that idea that what would my future look like if I didn't have a husband, if I didn't have a family? And I actually found it quite helpful because I remember people saying to me, you know, don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Don't keep looking for a relationship. It will happen when you least expect. But I think, you know, like for me, the idea of planning ahead and thinking about what my future would look like if I didn't meet somebody, that was actually quite helpful in some ways because it helped me put things in place to focus on other than dating and finding a partner. Um, for me, um, don't put all your eggs in one basket and uh, it'll happen when it happens. <laughs> <laughs> happen when you least expect um, it. 
<laughs> I, think, I think the important thing is um, don't be afraid to pause it. Don't be afraid to step away from it. Um, it can be all-consuming sometimes, and sometimes you just need to take that breather and look after yourself a little bit. Um, and most important, and this is for everyone, is, is it's supposed to be fun, so have fun. If it's not fun, don't do it. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Basic. <laughs> I feel like that's so obvious, but, like, yeah, it's supposed to be fun. <laughs> You know, I also, the other thing that I would say, like, just on that is, is that, like, there, there's room for, like, context and, you know, like, different situations, backgrounds can arouse different problems and stuff. I think the big problem, though, is if you're the only one going to the table to try and figure those things out, then it's a waste of your time. And that's when you can't, that's when it's never going to happen. Uh, well, it's a big thing. It's a lesson that I had to learn last year that relationships they're going to be 50 50 sometimes they'll need to be 80 20 sometimes they'll need to be 40 60 but they need it needs to be reciprocated and if they're not you can't pull that person over to reciprocate they've got to want to do it too and i think in the context of bpd something useful to say maybe on that same topic is like it's not up to us to make them do that it's yeah not up to us to fix that yeah I think giving up my whole, like, we'll just love each other into being better was mm. a big, important step for me because it just does not work like that. You cannot love another person into being different, especially the emotion of love is on its own not enough. You also have to have the action mm. of love. And if you don't have that, you know, I think that's one of the things that's been challenging is I've said this to people and I've had it said to me, I was like, but I love you so much. It's like, you're talking about the emotional attachment that you have. Yes, yeah, somebody may have a strong emotional attachment to me. Maybe I have a strong emotional attachment to them. But if, we're, if I'm not acting in line with that emotional attachment, then that's all it is, an emotional attachment. It's not love. That's like so important and profound i spent two years with an ex who wouldn't even come to the table to have a conversation with me half the time you know and like at that point it's like it doesn't matter how many times you tell me you love me you're not showing me that you even like me let alone love me you know it is important for you to walk the walk as much as you talk you know there's something profound in don't say it just show it if you had to give a piece of advice to somebody currently struggling with VPD and dating, what would you say? Be patient and be compassionate and uh, with yourself. It's hard. People are complicated. Everyone, BPD or not. I'd also say it's completely fine if you need to take time for yourself, if you need to step away from the dating scene and give yourself a break. Like there's no harm in just taking your foot out of the pool for a little while just until it feels more comfortable like you are not probably going to miss out on the one if you have a couple of weeks off from a day dinner make sure it's fun don't you know if it's painful if it doesn't if you don't enjoy it if it's um you know if it's a chore then it's not to be there's not just one dating pool you might just not have found yours yet there's so many different pools out there if one's not working for you you can find another pool where your needs are met. I would say it's not a race. You know, so much of the time we compare ourselves to other people and it feels like you have to hit certain things at certain times. And, 
you know, I was very fortunate that I found somebody in the time that I was looking, uh, but I hope that I would have, if I had not found somebody who was in that same place, that I wouldn't have just, you know, settled for what was there. Mm. It's important to take that time and it's okay to not be at the place where everyone else is. Well, thank you everyone so much for watching season three of the BPD Bunch. We had so much fun this season and we hope that you did too and that you've taken lots of nuggets of wisdom and healing for your journey. We will be back for a season four. So follow us on Instagram or stay tuned on our community feed on YouTube. We will be putting updates there. Don't forget that we have merch. You can buy it if you would like to support us and consider supporting us on Patreon. We have several different tier options with bonuses for you to check out. And until then, make sure to like, subscribe, and turn on your notifications so you don't miss any updates. And we will see you again in season four. Bye. Bye.